Wow, I am so happy today. That worship team, way to go. That was amazing. And then, I just, I don't know about you, but if you were at the sunrise service, come on, like, that was so good. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm in a surreal moment. Um, we, on Thursday night, we celebrated a Seder, which is where you go through the Passover and see how Jesus the Messiah is uh, kind of represented in that, and and we did it with a Presbyterian church, so we joined with the Presbyterians on Thursday night. Then yesterday, I was standing on this same platform preaching to the Seventh-day Adventists and their congregation, which was amazing and beautiful, and then this morning, uh, five congregations coming together to do a community service. So it is just this beautiful, surreal miracle that I feel like I'm involved in right now, and, and that we're involved in, where walls are actually coming down um, in our uh, community. And I don't want us to take that for granted. Um, This is a miracle, what God is doing in our community. An absolute miracle. Well, anyone else? I I know sometimes I wake up discouraged, but I didn't this morning. (laughs) Because I couldn't stop thinking about what today represents, right? Did anyone else just get kind of happy? My alarm went off early. I mean, it was four o'clock, but I woke up just smiling. It's like, you know this, you know what happened? I love that video. You get the text. Do you, did you see it? He actually is who he said he is. He actually did what he said he'd do. He's risen. And, and there's that excitement within me. Of course, then I condemned myself and shamed myself. Why don't I feel that way every day? But... What a beautiful feeling that is. Did anyone else wake up that way this morning? I mean, it's just, it is a happy, happy day. It's this opportunity that we have to celebrate all the things that have already been spoken about. His, his life, His death, and His resurrection. And this time, I was thinking about it, as, and we prayed for all the other churches. Just think about all the different churches, even in our community, that right now, what are they preaching? What are they teaching? Most of the services will start at 10 o'clock. So in 33 minutes, they will begin to preach, what? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That He's not dead. He's surely alive. Our Savior, our Deliverer, our King. He's not dead. He's not just a good story from 2,000 years ago. He's just not a good moral teacher. He is actually the risen Lord. And so, it's this intense time, right? And, and even when you think about Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, you, 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 it's hard to contemplate, but yet you see it where Jesus, the week leading up to His death, He rides in on a donkey. Remember that? He rides into Jerusalem and they're all celebrating Him. And, Hail, you know, the King of the Jews. And, they, and, and they, we get the palms on, on church on Sunday. That's kind of fun. So, thanks for having that in the Bible so we get to have palms on a Sunday. Um, I wish there was other things in the Bible that we got to have during the week, like the week where we get candy. We're like, why isn't that in the Bible? The chocolate verse. Um, <laughs> but isn't it interesting? Right after they wave the palms, and pretty soon after that, they, what do they do? They shout, crucify him, crucify him. And then we see Jesus um, really, honestly, brutally um, beaten, uh, horrifically beaten. And, and, he, and he dies. He's crucified. Um, He's dead. Jesus is dead. But I want us to hear this very clearly this morning, that his death is not the end of the story. And we're going to spend the most of our time talking about what happens after his death. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Luke 23. We'll be in Luke 23 and then we'll spend a lot of time in 24. Actually, I think you'll find today quite exciting. We're going to just walk through the Word and the Word, I believe, will come 
alive. We'll start at Luke 23, verse 50. Again, this is Luke's account of what happened after the death of Jesus. So there's a man named Joseph, a member of the council. He was a good and upright man. He had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea. He himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. He went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. He took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth. He placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. So he places Jesus' body in the tomb, cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. But now, if you look at the Bible and the story, Joseph lays Jesus in the tomb. It's amazing to me. Jesus, who was laid in a manger as a newborn, is now laid in a tomb. But that's not the end of the story. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee, they followed Joseph. They saw the tomb. They saw how his body had been laid in it. They go home. They prepare the spices. They prepare the perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. But then the Sabbath comes, the Sabbath goes, and now they're ready to go back to the tomb with their spices and their perfumes. Chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women, they take the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. When they entered, they could not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said, listen to this, church. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Amen? Amen. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day he raised again. They remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But verse 11, they did not believe the women because their words seemed like what? Their words seemed like nonsense. <laughs> That's scary, right? But can, have you ever said that to a woman? You crazy woman. No, you don't say that to women. That is crazy. What were those disciples? Ah, you don't say that. Hmm. They need marriage counseling. Anyway, verse, <laughs> verse 12, Peter, however... I love Peter, right? What does he do? He gets up. He runs to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. He went away, wondering to himself, what has happened? So in that passage, you see the women go to the tomb. You see Jesus go to the tomb. But what has happened? Jesus is what? He's not there. Jesus is gone. But that's not the end of the story. See, instead of him just disappearing and being gone forever, right? Jesus, it was neat that you're here, but now you're gone. The Bible actually tells us that he, he hangs out for a little bit, doesn't he? We hear for 40 days he spent some time with some people. At one time he shows up to these two men traveling on the road to Emmaus. Have you heard this story before? This is a good one. The Bible says these men, they're downcast. They're troubled in spirit, right? And Jesus says, what's going on? And they say in verse 19, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. They said, Jesus, he was a prophet. Jesus, he was powerful in word and deeds before God and all the people. Don't you love that they're telling Jesus about Jesus? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great? Oh, let me tell you, Jesus, about Jesus. They tell him, he was this amazing man. The chief priests and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. We'd hoped... That he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What's more, it's the third day since all this took place. And 
In addition, some of the women, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. They, they couldn't find his body. They came to us, told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our companions, they went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said. See, the women weren't crazy, by the way. See, just as they said it was, and they could not see Jesus. So at this point, they still don't recognize Jesus, right? But the Bible says that Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. At that, that point, what happens? Their eyes are opened. They recognize him. Jesus. And then he goes, bye. He just disappears. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Jesus, hey, hey I, just, I just saw you. Wait, 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 come back. I love that about Jesus. He's like, oh, here I am, bye. <laughs> so they disappear, or he disappears from their sight. They ask each other, we're not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up, returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And they say, it is true. The Lord is risen. He's appeared to Simon. And then the two, they tell what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Amazing, exciting, and awesome. But it's not the end of the story. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them. Isn't this good? And he says, peace be with you. Can you imagine? You're just like, and we saw Jesus, and we couldn't believe him. We didn't see him, and then we broke the bread. He's like, well, there's Jesus, and then he left. And he's just like right behind you the whole time. Right? Man, don't you love Jesus? He's so good. Peace be with you. What is their response? They're not like, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, they are frightened. <laughs> they are startled. Ah, they thought they had seen a ghost. Isn't he good? He says, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look, look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's me, right? It's me. Touch me. Come touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he, when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still not believe it, what, what, and this is great. I mean, you got to look at this at a very human level. Why did they not believe? Because of what their amazement and joy. I and mean, they're just giddy. Giddy is a good way. You know, at first they're afraid. First they're terrified. Now they're just giddy. And they, you know, when you blabber, you know, like when you're just so excited, you're just, you're just like, wow, you need to control yourself, Pastor Dan, because you're way too excited. You know that moment? Which I have often. I just love that. They still not believe it because of joy and amazement. But then he says, would well, you have anything to eat? So practical. Love it. Do you have anything to eat? Well, they gave him some fish. He took it. He ate it in their presence. I love that. He takes the bread earlier. Now he takes the fish. I mean, it's the idea that he actually wants to hang out with us. I, I love that about Jesus. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then this is beautiful. Then he opened their minds. Open our minds this morning, Lord. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So he quotes that to them and he says, hey, guess what? You are witnesses of these things. And now the story's not over. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. Who is that? Does anyone know? Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Power from who? The Holy Spirit. So he says, I fulfilled what Scripture said I'd do. <laughs> In fact, I did what I said I would do. 
And because I've done that, because I've suffered, because I've died, because I've raised from the dead on the third day, now repentance for the forgiveness of sins is going to be preached throughout this world in my name. And that's why the day kind of gives me goosebumps. Because on March 27, 2016, guess what we are doing today? We are preaching repentance for the what? Forgiveness of sins. What a beautiful message we get to preach, isn't it? I mean, just what a beautiful thing we get to proclaim as Christians. Verse 47 tells us that. We're preaching to the world repentance for all forgiveness of sins. It's amazing. It's incredible. Let's not take this for granted. What this is right now, what this is, what Thursday night was, what Saturday was, what Sunday at seven in the morning was, this preaching for the repentance of your sins, forgiveness of your sins. Listen to verse 50. It just gets better and better. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifts up his hands and he blessed them. Listen, verse 51. While he was blessing them, He left them, and he was taken up into heaven. Then, these early disciples, these first disciples, what do they do? Then they worshipped him. Did you say this with me? They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple. What? Praising God. Amen. And I think those two verses, verse 52 and 53, they show us how the story has continued. See, for those of us who are disciples of Christ, and I want you to take this very seriously. If you say that you are a Christian here this morning, for us that are followers of Jesus, I believe these last two verses are so important. They worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. I love that the Bible tells us that after Jesus has ascended, the response of his people was worship. Like the, what we were doing there with singing and praising God, that is the best thing you can do on a Sunday morning. Because even if the sermon is lame, even if the coffee is cold, we are worshiping God. We are here to worship the King of Kings. And they knew after He had left, they go, oh, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Worship just began to rise up within them. And then they go to Jerusalem. But they don't go to Jerusalem like, oh, shucks. Jeez, no, they go to Jerusalem with great joy, great joy. They're not downcast, they're not in despair, they're not depressed, they're not discouraged. They have great joy. Did you just see what my king did? Did you see what he did? I mean, he did what he said he was going to do. He's alive, he's alive, and you worship and you have joy, joy, joy. And then what happens? They say, you know what? we got to spend some time. Where's the temple? Let's get to the temple. We're going to praise God in the temple. I love that response, church. And the response that they have, don't you know, it's a very appropriate response. Because think about it. I mean, think of all that they had witnessed. When you go through Friday and you go through Saturday, it's intense. Can you imagine? Some of them might have heard the mockers saying, if you're the king of kings, if you're God, why don't you come down off that cross? If you're God, why don't you get off that cross and show us? Think of the torture. Think of the mocking. Think of his awful death. Man, I mean, they went through an intense time. Now they are witnessing his supernatural resurrection. (laughs) What that must have been. Have you ever had three days like that? Where it starts in just the most intense, terrible grief. 
that turns into just joy. Joy. They're ecstatic. They have this joy. I mean, I, I just imagine like Peter and John or a couple of the disciples sitting on the dock. I don't know if they had docks, but I sit on the dock. Maybe, I don't drink beer, but for those of you that do, maybe they had a couple beers you know, on the dock and, and they're just saying, you know, he did it. Can you imagine? Like, it was just, like he did it. Can you, he did it. <laughs> like, what, you just start laughing. Like, <laughs> he, he actually did it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, really? Like, re- I mean, what would, ah! I mean, can you imagine? You are, you are on the first day of a risen Lord who has gone to heaven. Like, this is the first day this has ever happened. Ever. In the history of humanity. A guy just raised from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He did what he said he was going to do. Can you imagine the feeling? Can we get some of that feeling this morning? Just the feeling of what that, the first day of saying, no, yeah, I mean, and I saw his ministry. I I saw what he did and, and he healed that lady and all those things, but they killed him. But he's alive. Yeah, he's alive and ah, sitting on the dock. By the bay. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I mean, what is the response, church? It's joy. It's worship. It's praise. I want to challenge us in this. I mean, take a hard look at their response. And let it influence you today. Let it challenge you today. Because I want you to hear this. The good news of Jesus, it's as good as it has ever been. 2,000 years later, man, it is still the good news. And our response as Christians, if you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your response should still be worship, joy, and praise. And so on this day of celebration, and it is a day of celebration, I just want you to take some inventory in your life. And I I don't want you to do this to to bring condemnation or to shame you. This is to to allow us to move forward uh, in a healthy way in our relationship to God, I just want to ask you, where are you at with all this? You know, just personally, I don't want you to say it out loud. Just think about it in your own life. Where are you at with all this? We, we see the disciples worship Jesus. I would ask the question to you, is Jesus receiving your worship? Just think about that. I mean, honestly, as you go about your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday life, you know, a good barometer for that is Monday morning, isn't it? Right? Come on. We, we know what Monday morning's like. Is Jesus receiving your worship on Monday morning? Is He the one who, who I, I just, when I think of worship, I also think, is what are the things that you run after? What are the things that you spend time on? What are the things that you adore? What are the things that you worship? Who is it? What is it? Is it God? Is it Jesus? Another question to think about, when Jesus, when you ponder what Jesus has done for you, just think about this. They were filled with joy. <laughs> And yet, how many of us have allowed this world and the things of this world to steal our joy? Right? Because there's problems, there's hardships, there's cruelty, there's evil in this world. And yet, how many people have allowed those things to steal their joy away? Remember, and hopefully the Holy Spirit reminds you of this every morning, that as Christians, our joy is not based in circumstances. Who is our joy found? It's not found in the world. 
Our, our joy is found in Jesus, and that sounds really cute and like a bumper sticker, but it has to be the truth, because life is hard, and then it gets harder. In fact, there are terrible things that will happen in your life, and there has to be a moment by the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit when you are in your weakest moment that you rise up and you say, but I've got joy in the Lord. Yeah. One of the things, I told this to someone the other day, I said, you've got to learn how to have tears in your eyes as you say, I've got joy in the Lord. Right? Joy in the Lord isn't when you're at Space Mountain. At Disneyland. Now there's some joy, right? But we're talking about an everlasting joy, an inexpressible joy. That's what Peter talks about. First Peter 1.8. This is talking to you, church. He says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. Do you love Jesus this morning? Yeah. Amen. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Anyone believe in Jesus this morning? Then, guess what? <laughs> you... Greatly rejoice with what? Joy inexpressible and full of glory. Take a hard look at your life. Are you filled with great joy? I want you to hear this. I believe joy is your right as a believer. It is your right as a Christian, as one who has been bought with a heavy price, a great price. He has set you free. No one and nothing can steal your joy. Now, do you think someone and something might try to steal your joy? Of course. Just take a breath and you'll see someone try to destroy your breath. I mean, it's just incredible, the world that we live in. But you have joy in Jesus. Look at your life. You know, I, the powerful thing about, I love church. The powerful thing about being here right now with our family, if you're discouraged or having a tough time, right now the Lord can just over, overwhelm you with His Spirit and, and joy. Isn't that great? You don't have to wait till tomorrow. That right now, by His Spirit, you can have supernatural, inexpressible joy. I love that. And then the Scriptures tells us that they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. And I'd say with this, spending time with God, right? They spent time. They, they carved out a serious amount of time to praise God. Look at your day. Look at how you spend your time. Are you giving Jesus time during your day? Quality time each and every day. Or have you become so busy that he's more of just an afterthought? Or just something that you do on a Sunday morning? They're healthy questions to be asked, right? And I don't do this to shame or condemn you. I, I just, I think the, the, the atmosphere of a room like this is actually a safe atmosphere, hopefully, where we can be honest with ourselves, right? This isn't to you know, make you feel bad about yourself. This is that we might go from faith to faith. We're, if you're a Christian here, you're a person of faith. And just right now, allow the Lord to challenge your faith. Because doesn't, isn't that what God does? These are times when God works on our hearts. Yesterday, the Lord really worked on me. He was working on my attitude yesterday. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do. Right now, I think of it as a recalibration. You know, I used to make fun of the idea of rededicating your life. Because like, oh, those people are always rededicating their lives. Then they rededicate again. They rededicate again. And, they, you know, I made fun of them. What a foolish boy I was. Because right now, in my life, every day, I'm rededicating my life to the Lord. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Oh, Jesus, I give you my life again. Oh, Jesus, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. Jesus, I rededicate my life to you. That, that's kind of what it means to 
spend time praising God. Like, don't allow the condemnation or the guilt of what you did yesterday or even on the way here take you down right now. It's like, oh no, right now I am recalibrating, I am rededicating my life. I'm not, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna go there, right? That, that is just a mess. In fact, it is such a mess, I cannot clean it up. The only one who has the, you know, the Swiffer that could clean that mess up is right here, Jesus Christ. And so I'm not even gonna go there. And you know, instead of what I'm gonna do, instead of me trying to get to him with the top ten list of look at what I've done, yay, I'm gonna actually go into the temple and I'm just gonna praise him and praise him and praise him and praise him and praise him because I am a mess without him but in him I am declared righteous, clean, holy, perfect, blameless. Oh. Wow. And so I just want to say this. If you're a Christian here this morning and maybe you've wandered away from him, it happens, right? Life is hard and and, and we kind of get beat up and, and it's easy to wander, isn't it? But I want you to know he hasn't wandered away from you. Isn't that good? I think about some of the foolish things I've done. And yet he was so close to me. I didn't, I wasn't looking for him, but he was looking for me. Isn't that great? So if you've wandered away, he hasn't wandered away from you. He loves you. And this is a beautiful time. And honestly, hopefully we're not just going through the motions this morning, just checking off the list that we went to church. I think this is an, honestly a sacred, holy time where we can put our faith in his amazing love once again. We talked about it last week when I preached on faith, but I think it's the idea of exercising those faith muscles. Some of us haven't exercised our faith muscles for a while. This is a good day, right? Get back into the gym. We're choosing. We're exercising. We are making the effort to say, no, I am going to worship God. Today, as for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord. Exercise that faith. And then maybe there's others of you, you've never put your faith or your trust in Jesus's death and resurrection. And, and you know, you just know that you don't have that personal relationship with Him. Well, I'm glad you're here because regardless of how you came in this morning, you need to know this isn't the end of your story. This is not the end of the story. And I want you to know that there's an opportunity here this morning for you to turn to Him, to believe that He is the Son of God, to believe that He is the Savior of the world. And when you put your faith in Him, I want you to hear this, your story changes forever. Like, you think you have to kind of fix all the things that were wrong about your story? No, he just, the Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. He just creates a new thing. You're, the Bible says you're born again. And you get to be on a new story. I, I want you to know, if, if you don't have that faith in Christ, or maybe if you've wandered from Him, I, your sin has made us guilty before a holy God. I, and churches don't like to talk about sin, but... Sin is kind of the deal. (laughs) It has separated us from His presence. But out of His love for us, you need to hear this. The same God who had had to judge sin is the same God who made a way for us to uh, be freed from our sin. Listen to what God has done. Listen to this. John 3.16. I love John 3.16, but don't you also kind of love John 3.17? Have you heard that one? I think it's pretty good. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Hallelujah. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Hallelujah. But, see, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. How many times do you just need to put your name in there? God did not send his son to Dan to condemn Dan, but what? To save Dan through him. I mean, just put your name in there. As I read this, put your name in there. For God did not send his son into the the world to condemn you but what he came to save you 
through him. Do you believe that about Jesus? Or do you believe he's a God that's just eager to condemn you? Or is he eager to save you? That's the decision here, right? That's the choice we get to make. Who is he? Who is he? Well, I want to tell you, I'll tell you who he is. (laughs) He is the one who came to save you, to rescue you, deliver you, to set you free. In fact, there are consequences of sin. In fact, there is grave consequences for our sin. But there is a perfect sacrifice who can remove your sins, take them away. But you have to be willing to put your faith in him, believe that he is who he says he is. And today, if you put your trust in him, I I just hope uh, for those of you that do not know Jesus, there would be an excitement welling up with you. Because right now, today, If you put your trust in him, if you say, Jesus, I believe that you died and that in your death, if I repent of my sins, that there is forgiveness for all of my sins. If you believe that he laid down his life for you, if you believe that he died and resurrected for you, as Pastor Randy said, guess what? If you believe in that, the Bible says that he will forgive you of your sins and he will give you eternal life. Eternal life. And I can't make that decision for you. I'm not going to force you to believe in him. What a foolish thing that would be anyways. But I want you to hear this. I believe in the God of John 3.16. I have questions. I have doubts. I have anxiety. I have worries. We all have things in our lives where you go, man, if you only knew what had happened to me. Right? We all got those. We got some painful stuff deep within us. But in pain and tears in our eyes, we say, but I believe in a God who sent his son to die for me. He did not come to condemn me. He came to rescue me. He was on a rescue mission, a mission of salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I just want you to hear this, regardless of what you've done, regardless of the mistakes that you have made, he wants you to know right now that he loves you. And by the death and resurrection of his son, right now in this place, this moment, this moment, 955, (laughs) there is a gift of eternal life that he wants to give to you. And he'll give it to you if you put your faith in him. Every one of us, we're not here by accident. Man, this is not a waste of time. You're not here to be condemned. Hopefully, I'm not condemning you. I I believe more than anything, what God told me to do is just to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to save you, that right now, salvation is here. The story's not over. The story's not over. I meet with so many people where I hear your story, and your story, it breaks my heart. And I'm sorry for the things that you've had to go through. I'm mad that you've had to go through some of those things. I'm ticked off that you've had to go through some of those things. But Jesus is here to help you, to resource you, to give you what you need. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much that that is here right now, that you're, you're so available right now. I feel that in such a heavy way, Lord. Lord, for those that are contemplating even giving up, uh, committing suicide and, and those types of things, Lord, or, or filing for that divorce or abandoning their parents or having that affair, Lord, I just pray right now that they would know by your spirit that that does not have to be their story. That you are in the business of making stories really good. (laughs) 
Jesus, just come right now by your spirit. Abide with us. Be in this place. Fill this place. Speak your truth over this place, Lord. Any area of deception, any area of shame and condemnation, right now just a truth would invade this place, Lord. A truth would just begin to rise up. A truth that says resurrection power is here. That Jesus truly died and he truly raised from the grave. And the same power that raised him from the dead is residing within us. That as Christians, if we profess you as our Lord and Savior, that there is a joy in this place, Lord. Anything that is not of your joy, Lord, I pray it would be removed in the mighty name of Jesus. In fact, I want to pray. Anyone that just is is wanting to rededicate their lives, if you just raise your hand, I, I want to pray for you. I want to stand with you. Absolutely. Anybody else? I just want to stand with you this morning. If you want to just come back to him in a powerful way, where you say, I, you know, I haven't been worshiping Him with my life. I haven't been spending time praising Him in the temple. I have not had great joy. If, if you need a change, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you in the name of Jesus? Absolutely. I see you. Absolutely. I see two, three, four. Absolutely. Five. Absolutely. All right. I stand with my brothers and sisters right now, Lord. I, I raise my hand. I say, God, would you wreck me for your kingdom? Would you break down anything that is not of you, God? Anything in my life that is of pride or selfishness? Anything that is of envy or jealousy, Lord? Anything in our hearts right now that is not of you, God? Anything that does not have the light of Christ shining in it, would it be gone in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord? I pray that those who have raised their hands, there would be freedom in this place today, Lord. I know, Lord, that right now, those Christians that have raised their hands, that right now, Lord, there is an availability of your presence and availability of your spirit. And you right now, Lord, are going to lift them to higher places, Lord, to bigger and better. Lord, you are right now empowering them by your spirit that they are not going to leave here the same as they came in, Lord, that they have an opportunity by by coming to you, Jesus. You would say, by golly, I love you. I love you so much. I died for you. I love you so much. I conquered the grave for you. I love you so much that I went back to heaven so I could send the Holy Spirit for you. Jesus, would that truth reside within each person who raised their hand? Glory to God. Glory to you, God. Glory to you, God. Where you just shake their bones even now, Lord. Would they shake within their belly? Would a life, a living water just begin to flow from their very bellies, Lord? I'm proud of each one who raised their hand. These are the champions of God. These are the mighty warriors of God. I stand with them as my brother. I stand with them as my sister. And I say, Lord, we are going into the battle together. We are not alone. We are going into the battle together. I thank you for each one, Lord, who has rededicated and recalibrated their life to be on track with you, God. I declare that over my life and everyone else here, Lord. Our hearts are yours. Our hearts are yours. And as we continue to pray, if there's anyone and you just know you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you do not have that personal relationship with Jesus, again, He has not brought you here to bring you shame or condemnation. He's brought you here to set you free. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. But if you could just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with, and then I will pray and we'll receive Christ and we'll see the difference that our Savior can make. If that's you, just let me know in, in some way, whether it's a hand or a shout or anything like that. Anybody. I preached fast, so we got time here. Anybody. Just in this moment. It's a holy moment. Sacred moment. Hmm. Man, so good, Lord. So good. So good. What a joy in this place, Lord. I just, I'm just amazed by the atmosphere of this place right now. Your presence, your spirit. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing thing it is. What an amazing thing it is. Lord, in my heart, I just feel like... I, I, feel, like you're, I feel like you're giving us a gift this morning. I, I feel like you're telling me and telling all of us 
that the the excitement, the inexpressible joy of knowing that the tomb is empty, that you're wanting to teach us what that looks like the day after Easter. I just feel like you're, you're telling us even now, Lord, that you're going to give us the gift of your joy the day after Easter. I think that's available for us this morning, church. I just, I just feel that so strongly that he is saying, I want to give you the gift of my joy. Not just for today, but for tomorrow. And if you want to receive that, I honestly believe, if you want to receive that gift with me, would you just say amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, would you stand with us?